Hi guys, welcome to Midlife Crisis, a podcast brought to you by two middle-aged gamers. Uh, this is episode two, brought to you by Francis and my trusty companion, Daniel. So, what games have we been playing this week, Dan? Anything new? Anything changed in your gaming schedule at all? Yeah, I've been playing something new. I've been playing Mario Odyssey, um, and it's been really, really good. Um, uh, Nintendo have learned a lot along the way. They've, they've been doing 3D Mario games for a while now, and um, it, it, it's that feeling of here is a list of all the the things you can collect in the level, uh, and and that taking time to to find them, seek them out, and dare, and really enjoy all these little secrets throughout the levels. It's been really really good. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about the Switch recently. Uh, especially after E3 and all the announcements that they had. Um, I don't think I've actually yeah. played a 3D Mario game since probably Mario Sunshine on the GameCube. Was that the one on the GameCube? That, that was excellent. Yeah, it was really yeah. good. I, um, I never got around to I, getting a Wii or a Wii U. So. Yeah, I missed out the Wii U uh, 3D Mario, the Super Mario Land, I think it was called. Um, and I didn't play uh, Galaxy. So, yeah, I think my last one was Sunshine. Uh, and this is just one of those, I don't know, so, sometimes you get that feeling of um, I'm not really enjoying gaming that much. I'm playing games, um, but I'm doing a bunch of things. Um, but this is really fun and enjoyable. Yeah, one of those games that you actually want to go back to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I found myself going back to the, the first level again and again, trying to find this this last moon on it, it's driving me up the wall. I'm going to use a guide eventually. <laughs> yeah, it's one of these, I think I tried to get all the stars in Mario 64 and obviously before the days of like mainstream internet and you had to go out and buy a magazine or one of those prima <laughs> official guides to try and find all the stars, but I didn't in the end, but I think yeah. I got pretty close. Is there anything else that you've been playing at all? Um, I do you know I've got a, a massive back catalogue on uh, PlayStation and lots and lots to get through. So uh, I naturally just end up playing Diablo three, which I don't really need to play. But for some reason, I just end up playing it again and again. Yeah, it's an amazing game to play. It's one of those games that you can just pick up for half an hour to an hour, uh, rinse and repeat, press the same button, running through, killing loads of enemies, and. It's not really sort of taxing. You don't really need to apply your yeah. mind too much, which is great. What about so, yourself? Uh, well, this week I picked up uh, South Park, Fractured But Whole, um, which is amazing. It's really weird. Uh, if you like South Park, it's one of those games that you're going to enjoy. Uh, it's based around superheroes. Uh, last time it was more of a, a Warcrafty wizards and elves uh, on the Stick of Truth one that came out on the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Mm. Uh, but this one's gone down the more Marvel route where you turn into a superhero, essentially. You have really weird powers like farting fire out of your bum and all that sort of stuff, which is great. So, so yeah, if you like South Park, there's a lot of comedy. Uh, the combat system's turn-based, so a lot sort of taken from Final Fantasy, those sort of turn-based RPGs, which is cool. I haven't played one of those for a long time. Um, other than that, uh, I picked up Dragon Quest Builders, which is cool. Uh, very Minecrafty, one more with a storyline and prettier graphics. Uh, but I did also pick up uh, Near Automata as well, which I didn't think I'd like, but it is an incredible game. There's <laughs> there's there's so many ways you can describe the game because it's not one set genre of game. It's really weird. The game starts off and it's kind of like um like a top down isometric shooter, a bit like Contra. If you ever played mm -hmm. that in the SNES days, yeah. And then it kind of zooms out and it's kind of like an isometric shooter, a bit like Alien Nation or Dead Nation, those sort of games. And then it transports you into like a massive open world. And then it's like a hack and slash, and it, it keeps on switching up the genres, and it's really weird. Ah, right, because I've seen a number of videos of it, and, and I keep seeing a video of it, and someone says, oh, this is near Automata, and uh, however you say it. Mm -hmm. um, and 
and uh, each video I see there seems to be something else going on so I'm kind of like I, I couldn't work out what kind of game it was but um, now you've said that well that makes a bit of sense yeah it's weird it's it, I, I, I haven't got far, far enough to know if it's going to sort of dedicate itself to one sort of genre per level or things like that but the sound design is incredible um, the basic mm-hmm. premise of the game is all humans have been evacuated from Earth due to a like an apocalypse in a weird way, sort of they've been taken over by robots. So you play as a character called 2B, who is also um, a robot, essentially, more of an android, and they get sent back down to try and take over the Earth, essentially. But as the narrative goes, you kind of don't know if the robots are bad or good, or if they have emotions, or they've just taken on artificial AI, which is really good. But there's some really weird, quirky scenes. But without sort of spoiling the game, I can't really go that much into it. But it's definitely worth picking up. Yeah. yeah cool. The only other thing that I've been playing, which I said that I wouldn't play, is Fortnite. And I'm really kind of <laughs> sad to say that I've sort of picked it up. But millions and millions and millions of people are playing it. So I kind of thought I'd see what was the crack, essentially. And I'm enjoying it. I really am enjoying it. So I haven't spent I, any money yet, which is good. The big question with Fortnite is, are you doing the dances in real life? No, I have not done a dance in-game either. I'm not one of those players. Okay, okay, I'll let you off, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that good, <laughs> so I'm just learning the ways. So hopefully I'll, I'll get better at it. If not, I'll just forget playing it and move on to something else, which I usually end up doing with those free-to-play games. So, um, so news. Cool. We have actually been away for about a month now. Um both you and I had really bad illnesses, um, so it was kind of tricky to get on. And a lot of things have happened since we did our E3 podcast. Um, a lot of things which I'll cover, but not in depth, because most of them kind of like moved on. We'll brush over it. Um, a few things that came out today is Darksiders 3 has uh, an official release date, which is November the 27th, All right. which is cool. Did you play the first two? I played the second one, and uh, I rather liked it, yeah. Yeah, so from so, from what it seems, it's the same sort of genre of game, hack and slash, um, pretty much what God of War have moved away from, so it's kind of good to, new to... It's good to have a new entry into those sort of franchises, because um, we haven't had a decent hack and slash game for a while so now, so that would be cool to see what that turns out like. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. With regards to the UK chart as well, I'm not too sure about the worldwide chart, but Crash Bandicoot was number one when it came out on PS4, uh, and it's not kind of surprising that now it's out on the Switch and the Xbox One, it's back up in the charts again. So nostalgia obviously takes over, especially with mascots in the uh, the European market as well, I think. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's number one. Uh, so they don't include uh, Nintendo digital sales in the the official charts, uh, but on the Nintendo store, it's also number one. So it, it must be selling really, really well. Hmm. I think it's kind of testament to those sort of games that people don't get many platformers nowadays. Uh, maybe it's more so on the Switch because it's kind of tailored to those sort of games, but. It's good to see that Crash is alive and well, and maybe we might see a uh, a successor to it or a, a sequel sometime soon, which would be great. Yeah, and we've got some other um, sort of cartoon-based platformers coming out soon, haven't we? We've got um, Spyro, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, I completely forgot about Spyro, actually. So that's coming yeah, out at the tail good. end of this year. So that's kind of appealing for the holiday market for the kids and uh, adult children like ourselves as well. Man-child. Yeah, right. definitely. <laughs> but from what I saw uh, at the footage at E3 and things like that, it's it's a complete remaster. I think the levels are exactly the same and it looks really pretty. So, And I'm sure it's going to come out at a £25 price point, so it's not going to break the bank for a Christmas present, which is cool. Yeah, well, when uh, Ukulele... Uh, did you ever play that? Oh, yeah, I've got Ukulele, ukulele yeah. Yeah, because when that first came out, that came out quite high, like, uh, I think it was 35, but it, it has dropped quite quickly, and I, I'm starting to think that looks like it's worth it as well. Um, did you enjoy it? Ukulele's great. It pretty much is just Banjo-Kazooie reskinned with two different characters. I think the only <laughs> thing that annoys me about it, as similar to the way it worked on the N64, is the characters don't have voiceovers, 
which is great for not needing to do audio tracks for different languages and things like that. But every single character has a really annoying voice and they don't have different sound bites. It's just essentially if they're talking, they just make a really high pitched squeaky noise and you can't skip the dialogue. So it's kind of like you have to grit your teeth every time that you approach a new character and ask them a question and then just think, please just get on with it, get on with it. So gameplay or, or wise, mute the TV. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Gameplay wise, it's amazing. It's what you want from those sort of games. The bosses are really cool. Um, surprisingly mm. hard, some of the bosses, but it's definitely a £10 bargain bin game. Not, not worth the £35 that they sort of originally priced it as, like you said. Yeah. Cool. What's next on our news list? Next up is a elephant in the corner, essentially, which has been going on pretty much since the tail end of E3. Um, As a bit of a backstory, Fortnite came to Nintendo Switch. Um, It was the biggest thing to come to Nintendo Switch for a long time. I think it, I can't remember how many downloads it had in the first 24 hours, but it was a lot. Um, a lot of people have two to three consoles in the household. Um, Sony PlayStation, obviously, being one of them. Maybe you have an Xbox One, or maybe you have a Switch, or maybe you have all three. But what the problem that they encountered was if you have a, or if you ever play Fortnite on the PS4 and you loaded up your Switch, you couldn't use your Epic account, essentially. So. If you wanted to take your progression from the PlayStation 4 to the Switch, you couldn't do it. There is no way of doing it. They've basically locked people out of their Epic accounts. And unless you want to make a new account um, and have two sort of side-by-side different progress, you can't do it. So a lot of people kicked off um, with regards to the cross-play element and the cross-buy because Xbox have come out and pretty much done... A handshake with Nintendo, so you can cross-play with Switch, Xbox One, PC, mobile, that sort of thing, but you can't cross-play with PlayStation, and a lot of people are unhappy about it. Right. Um, see, Microsoft are doing really well with backwards compatibility, and, and this cross-play stuff is going well. And, I, and I'm starting to think, with, with Warframe coming out on the, the Switch as well, yeah. um, that's that's something I I started Warframe on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. I might like to pick it up on my Switch and carry on because that'll be quite handy for when I'm away. Yes. And there's not many not many shooters on the Switch. Um, I hope I hope the same situation is in, isn't encountered there. I hope I can take my my details across, but I'm not very hopeful. Um, the the I think this is really something that Sony have got to get on top of because when we get to the next generation. If we're not in a position where we're probably going to be able to do backwards compatibility um, on, on on our Sony consoles, um, and we're able to do crossplay with other um, uh, ecosystems, then I think Sony are going to, uh, no matter how powerful or how great their uh, first first party titles are, uh, I think they're going to start to look a bit a bit dinosaurish. Um, it's it's kind of a sign of the times and they've got to move with it. Yeah, I think the problem that they're facing at the moment is in this console generation, PlayStation are winning the race. They've sold over 70 mm. million units compared to something like 30 million. Don't cite me on this one, that Xbox One has sold. Nintendo are doing really well in their own right. I don't think they really care about how many units they've sold in comparison to the competitors because they know they've got that market that people are always going to be loyal to them. I think... For my mindset, I don't really care about playing with Xbox players or people on Switch. Um, just mainly because my, my friends' base are on the same console as me. Um, I get why people want it, but I don't think it's like the be-all and end-all. I think what is frustrating for people is if you've invested a lot of time in a game, especially a game like Warframe, like you mentioned, that if you soak, say, 100 to 200 hours in on the PlayStation version or the PC version or wherever, and then you pick up the Switch and you have to start from day one, that's got to be really frustrating because mm. the game's amazing, but it's progressed so much over the lifespan of the game that everything's different now. A bit like Destiny, if you jump in on the base game, you're pretty much lost. And it's 
it's probably not the same with Warframe because you can play on your own, you can do all these missions, and there is a lot of content, but it's frustrating, especially if you've invested that time. But I understand where Sony are coming from as a business point of view is that if, say, you spent money on the Xbox and then you come over to the PlayStation and you're not spending the money because you've already spent the money, how do PlayStation mm, win? That's true. As a business, how do they win? Yeah, and many of the purchases on Xbox, uh, and I'm not entirely sure of the um, reason for this, um, We get you find a lot of the purchases on the Xbox are 30 to, to 50p cheaper than on PlayStation, uh, and that might be the way that they're rounding up that or something like that. I, I have no idea, but in the UK that is the case. So uh, that that could be one of their reasons for trying to avoid it. Um, I think you you're talking about the position that Sony's in, and I think their position now is very much like it was at the end of the uh, PlayStation Two era. Mm. They've they've got this fantastic console, brilliant brilliant first party titles and and you know unanimously they are the best selling um unit of this generation yeah um and, the problem and i just with that cycle is they had it with the ps2 they ultimately lost it with the ps3 because the playstation 3 was a really complicated uh... console to uh to for, games for. yeah yeah make games for yeah. Um, so obviously Xbox 360 came out the gate and they're like, bam, this is what we've got. They had a very big market share. Um, Sony kind of made it up at the end of the, the generation. And where Xbox has kind of fallen down at the beginning of this console generation is they wanted a media box, essentially. And Sony mm. have come out saying, this is for the gamers. Even though that slogan probably doesn't mean a lot now because of what's going on. They've given people what they've wanted. <laughs> and it seems really backwards now for them to sort of not give players what they're asking for. It might not be as simple yeah. as flicking a switch or I understand Sony want people to spend money in their ecosystem, not others. And as a business point of view, I get that. Um, another issue came out that Todd Howard uh, from Bethesda basically said Fallout 76 is not going to have cross-play because of Sony. And that was his statement. He was pretty much just sort of like saying to Sean Layden, what are you doing? People want this. Why aren't you giving it to them? And I don't think it was a case of that they particularly want cross-play in their game. It was just another dig, a kind of another nail in the coffin, essentially saying, why aren't you doing it? What's going on? Well, they did, they did the same thing with mods on PlayStation 4 for um, Fallout, didn't they? Mm -hmm. uh, basically, they came out and said, Sony are the people who are stopping this from happening. We've got mods on the Xbox. You know, what's your problem, Sony? And, and Sony immediately buckled down, worked with them and got mods sorted. But... To a certain that's extent. A much, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, they're not as good, but, you know, it's, um, it, it, it's a funny situation because they are... Um, it, it, that mods issue is much more contained. You know, it's, it's one game. It's not a whole ecosystem. You know, um, but it would be nice to see Sony do something. Uh, yeah. And they have. I think they've said that they're working on it, but they won't actually say what the the end goal is or the end outcome will be. No, I think the official statement from Sean Lader was pretty much like, "We're working on it. We know what you want." We can't do it for everything because if we just open the floodgates, everybody's going to want it. We're going to have to tackle it a game by game basis, which is fair enough. Like you're not going to want it in some games, but you're going to want it in others. So, only future will tell with that yeah. one. Um, obviously the kettle's still boiling on that one, so give it a couple of weeks. And Sean Layden might have turned around and said, "I put my hands up. You know, I mean, I'm in charge of the Sony business. I was wrong. Here's what you want, and it might even work in Sony's favour. You never know." Uh, so two other uh, news articles from a couple of weeks back that we missed um, PUBG Corp drops a lawsuit uh, against Epic Games no big surprise there Fortnite is making a lot of money uh, PUBG made a lot of money last year they're still making loads of money so whether they settled it outside of court we don't know there was no official statement behind why they dropped the lawsuit but there was no surprise there um, Fortnite's taken over the world. I, I, I saw 
somebody had a birthday cake, like a Fortnite birthday cake the other day. So that's kind of how major this game is. It's like the Spice Girls taking over the world again. Just game form. Do you know what, though? As with many games that get really, really big, people, the general people, and even some of the gamers, don't know what those games are. Um, so there was a school uh, the other day, and this got into the Telegraph. Um, the school had sent a letter home to their the parents saying that they highly uh, advise that the parents don't let their kids play Fortnite <laughs> because... Um, uh, it's causing friction and problems and bullying on the playground. Oh, well, uh, we've we've talked many times about video games not really causing violence. But anyway, um, the letter included a statement that Fortnite included a Nazi dance. Really? Which people were up in arms. Yeah, which it does <laughs> not. But but this school had sent this letter home, and it got into the Telegraph, and the Telegraph was saying that the game contains a Nazi dance. Uh, um, and I, to be honest, I'm not sure what a Nazi dance would be. I don't think the Nazis were very well known for their dancing. But anyway, and um, then it's like the it's like the, the, uh, the Forty Towers, like the, uh, the the walk that John Cleese did. Obviously, back then it was never going to be construed as something racist or anything like that. But if that came out nowadays, yeah. people would just be like, what is he doing? What's going on? Well, I mentioned the war once, but I think I got away with it. <laughs> um, the Oh, and then the other thing it was uh, that the Telegraph summed it up by saying at the bottom, they put a summary of what the game is. And they said that uh, Fortnite is a, a multiplayer and single player game where you uh, can... Uh, uh, fight real world people or combat zombies and the number of gamers that were applying underneath saying I play this game constantly there is no single player component and you don't get to fight zombies and I was just thinking you've, you've just completely missed half of the game yeah. you know there yeah. is you know it, it's the bit you have to buy into at the moment but it is there and and to to, to go off at the deep end saying, oh, you know, you, you've got to know what you're playing um, in order to sort of have a coherent argument back against uh, idiots that say there's a Nazi dance in the game. Of know? course, yeah. And so, uh, the media is always going to take things out of proportion, especially when things come popular. Um, and the main reason why that game is popular is because the Battle Royale part of the game is free. And mm -hmm. it's like you said, it's naive to think that the game doesn't have that sort of the free the world i think that's what it's called because when you're on the menu you have to scroll down to get to the battle royale mode but i think that's yeah. just kids being kids at the same time it's also teachers being teachers like when i was a kid pokemon cards were all the rage people got bullied for the pokemon cards but i don't think it's the extent of the what the world is now it was pretty much just you somebody would get pushed over you might get your Pokemon cards taken off you. You tell the teacher, you probably get them back the next day. You know what I mean? It's not a case of kids carrying weapons or to the. That's quite. That's quite an extreme statement, obviously. But these things happen, especially in certain regions in the UK, and God knows what happens across the world. But it's the whole Marilyn Manson made people shoot people in schools. It's like no, he didn't. It's not the case of what the people are playing or what they're listening to. It's probably upbringing, mental instability, all that sort of thing. You could go on for ages for this sort of concept. But games don't kill people. At the end of the day, Fortnite is it's a gunplay game. You pick up games, but it's the most cartoony thing in the world. There's people like like you say, dancing, but I don't I've never seen a anti Semitic salute or anything like that, so you can even see that it's a simulation because when you die, you are scanned down by a like a little robot thing, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Um, so you know it's clearly some kind of simulation of life. Not you know e even in the game, it's not like you're shooting real people. No. Oh. But yeah, Fortnite massive. We'll probably end up playing it at some point. So. But for how long? Let, I mean, honestly, so many really, really cool games are, are starting to include a battle royale kind of thing. Is this, well, only time will tell, but is this the flash in the pan fad? Or is this something that's going to be added to, to most big games from now on? Potentially. I think it's a hard one to call because Epic have done it right with Fortnite. 
I'd obviously PUBG came first, but it's tailored for an adult audience. It was glitchy as hell. There was loads of problems. You have to pay for yeah. it. It's still not fully patched. Whereas Fortnite came out and it was pretty much good from the get-go. There's a few glitches in the game, but they seem to be updating the game on a regular basis. Obviously, Season 5 is about to come out and there's a lot of um and ah about what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, like you say, there's only a certain longevity with games. Like, Minecraft came out and that was the Fortnite of its time. But Minecraft is still going, but nobody else really copied it in the sense of putting it in every game. Whereas you've got Call of Duty, Battlefield, God knows how many have come out on Steam since Fortnite have come out and become popular. But I give yeah. it, I'd say Fortnite's going to last. But I don't think the Battle Royale genre as a mainstream being implemented into everything is going to be a thing in 2020, so. Yeah. Yeah, so, moving on. That's pretty much the news. Um, the, the other thing that came out was that Halo has a TV series uh, and Amblin Studios, which is Steven Spielberg's studios, um, is on board with that. So it'd be interesting to see how that comes out. It's early days. I don't think there's been any scripts written or anything like that or any cast announced, but it'd be interesting to see where they take it with the Halo TV series and the franchise because it's a good franchise. Yeah, I've watched some of the Halo uh, animated films and um, some of the, there were some live-action shorts as well, uh, and they were all really good. I, I, I really enjoyed them. Um, they tied in with the, with the games really closely, so it'll be interesting to see whether this is a plan to tie in uh, a, a series into the next game or something like that, but you know, yeah. we'll see. But they've got Spielberg producing, uh, and I think Rupert Wyatt's on board, who was the director of Rise of the Planet of the Apes, so they've got big names, so it's... They're going to put money into it, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, we had, from our last podcast, a few people sent in some questions. Um, so I'll tackle those. That's probably the easiest way to, to progress. Uh, so the first question uh, came in from James Langston, and his question was, uh, why is there a lack of local multiplayer in 90% of modern games? Not everybody wants to play online for a multiplayer fix. What are your thoughts on the fact that there isn't any couch co-op in games anymore? Well, um, I suppose you've got to kind of look at whether there isn't a lot of couch co-op in games anymore. I mean, what we have recently that's got couch co-op uh, or, or, or couch co competitive uh, play. You've got uh, Rocket League, got... Um, have you played Overcooked, Frank? Yep. I played Overcooked with you at Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah, you did, yeah. Um, yeah, Overcooked's really good fun. That's that's uh, cooperative um, and, and competitive as well. Um, I suppose if you want to start looking at more um, AAA, you know, big type games, you've got... Um, it depends how far you're going to go back, because I mean, Borderlands, the handsome collection, that can be played locally. Yeah. Um, well, Diablo three. Talking about that just now, you can play um, local multiplayer now. There, there's a lot of indie stuff like Gang Beasts, um, all of the Lego games. Um, I think it is out there. I think personally, I play less local multiplayer now because uh, I have family and there's less opportunity for you know someone to come around, sit on the couch next to me and play yeah. video games with me, unless it's my, one of my sons. Um, well, what about yourself? Do you think there's less, or, or, or do you think it's... I think you pretty much hit the nail yeah. on the head. I think that it is there, but you have to go find it. Like, there are there are a couple of mainstream games that still include couch co-op. Um, the Call of Duty titles every year still allow you to do... Oh, yeah. Um, sort of split screen, which is cool. Um, but that's probably the only sort of mainstream first-person shooter um, that does it. I think... The issue being with that genre is we grew up with games like Perfect, Dark, GoldenEye, where it was it was a family... Uh, there was a party game, wasn't it? You had your mates come around, yeah. you, plug in, you plugged in four controllers, and everybody sort of rushed to be odd job 
and then like you went on and then <laughs> in the PS2 era you had time splitters and games like that where the sort of the four person four person split screen was very prominent in that sort of era as well but moving away getting into the modern era first person shooters don't really have them but if you want that for fix I think you have to go outside of your comfort zone. Like you said, with the Lego games, the Lego games are great, and every single one of them yeah. you can play with a, one or two, sometimes a couple of players. Um, and yeah, indie titles. You tend to find a lot of indie titles kind of go through that. We had Unravel 2 that came out recently. That was um, two-player co-op. Uh, games like Little Big Planet, those have always been sort of two to three to four-player games, which you can do online or offline um so yeah they are out if I'm, if I'm getting family together to game as well we probably want something that's short sharp bit of fun that everyone can get involved with without knowing the controls and stuff so things like uh the jackbox party games they're they're really good yep. um that's you we we played that's you before yeah, as well really and oh it's the other uh playlink one uh, uh knowledge is power Frantics. Yeah. Frantics, that's it. Frantics is really good. I really enjoyed that. Um, but knowledge is power is good as well, yeah. So so that's a good answer to that question, really. If you're looking for that sort of experience and you want a new experience at the same time, um, PlayStation or on the PS4, there are a lot of... They're, play, they're called Playlinks, aren't they? Is that the right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so the right. games are yeah. Playlink games. If you Google that, um, you do need a mobile device either a phone or a tablet um but as a family i think with it that's you you can play up to six people at the same time um and they're really six, good yeah. party games um and you've also got games like the new mario party comes out just before christmas as well on the uh, the switch and i think that's gone back to the roots similar to the n64 game with all the mini games so that's worth checking out so it's not dead you just have to find it so the next question came in from Mark Andrews, and I really liked this question because it kind of hit home for me. Uh, and he wrote in saying, I remember being a Unreal Tournament god many moons ago, but now can't touch a game out of humiliation of how bad I am now in comparison to how I used to be. Uh, so the question really is, do we get worse with age uh, or do we simply just get out of, uh, out of practice? Because the less time we have to spend on the game, um, and obviously life takes over, essentially. So, do you consider yourself to be worse at games now that you used to be good at when you were, when you were growing up? Yes, I am now much, much worse at gaming. That is absolutely 100% true. That said, though, Unreal Tournament, um, it depends which Unreal Tournament you're talking about. Because... If we're if we're talking about the first Unreal Tournament that came out, you were probably playing that on a LAN party, mm-hmm. and you're probably playing that against a maximum of of eight to twelve of your mates, and you probably were the god out of that group. We're now playing. Uh, let's say we go off and we play what? Let's play Overwatch, and you're on a ranked match, or Rainbow Six, and you're on a ranked match. You are ranked against all the people of of your same sort of uh, people who've had a similar win streak to you, um, and and you get popped into a match, and you get absolutely decimated because you're playing against the whole world effectively that is involved with that game. Yeah. I think yes, you do get worse with age. But now, on a, a connected uh, platform, we are playing against a much larger player base as well. So there's much more scope for you to get destroyed as well. Of course, and that kind of sort of plays into the end part of uh, Mark's question. Is it because we don't have enough time to play the games? And it probably is. When you're put into a pool of players, especially in the ranked circuit, that spend pretty much all day playing those games, whether they be... Kids have just come home from school, don't have hobbies apart from playing computer games and they play it all night or people who don't have a job or maybe their job is to actually play the games. Um, I remember used, I used to be really good at Counter-Strike 1.6 and Counter-Strike Source, but I can put a bet on now. If I loaded that up on Steam now and tried to play that game, I would be absolutely awful. And that's a practice thing and that comes with anything, any hobbies, if you play sports... 
if you're a musician, if you don't practice, your memory muscle fa- your your memory your muscle memory fades. If I get my words out, um, but it's the same with computer games. You have to practice to be good. Um, it's not yeah. probably a case of that you've got worse because you probably remember how to play those games. But like Dan said, you're not playing against your mates. You would have been playing against the people you play with every day. Like it's always the same opponent. You learn the moves, you learn the strategies, but you can't do that in this day and age because every time you load a game, it's going to be somebody different, isn't it? So, so yeah, we do get worse, but it's more of the environment that we play in now is the reason, and that's that's my justification anyway. Yeah, I agree with that, and and that's uh, that's a good excuse, and we'll stick with it. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the next question. Uh, came in from George Luis Gonzalez. Hopefully I said your name right. Um, he actually uh, submitted three questions, three quite sh- short and sweet ones. Uh, so the first question, which you could probably dedicate a whole podcast to, is, is single player dying? My answer to that question is no, it's not. Yeah, go justi- play God of War. Yeah, yeah. That, and that would have been my justification. You've You've got a market that's very overly saturated with multiplayer games. And Fortnite, obviously we're going to come back to Fortnite because it's the most popular thing at the moment, is very, very popular. And it's making a lot of money, it's making a lot of sort of traction um, in the media and all that sort of thing. But all you have to do is look at the titles that have come out in the last couple of years and the units that they've sold. So God of War, for an example, um, came out Mario Odyssey. Mario Odyssey, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, pretty much most of Bethesda's back catalogue. Um, Skyrim is sold millions on everything. Yeah. Uh, but other games like Wolfenstein, The Evil Within, things like that that are always been traditionally single player, they sell really well and they're really popular. Um, obviously, you've got CD Projekt Red's new game, Cyberpunk 2077 coming out. That's going to be massive, just as Witcher 3 was. So, I don't think single player is going away. And I don't think the, the the community, the gaming community that we live in at, or, or game with at the moment, wants it to go away. Um, and Bethesda did a whole thing last year where it's like a hashtag, single players not dead, or long live single player. I can't remember the actual hashtag, but those sort of studios, even though... They are releasing games like Fallout 76 and games like that. They're not moving away from single player. I think they're just tailoring for a market that they haven't tailored for before, but they're always going to retain that single player base. So what sort of games would you prefer to play? Would you prefer to play single player games or multiplayer games if you had a choice? I think you need a mix. I think you 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 want to get that single player experience now and then go off and do your own thing, uh, and then at other times you want to immerse yourself, get involved with with a team, uh, get some cooperative stuff going on, or some competitive stuff going on. Um, and, and I'm sure there will be people out there that will say, "No, actually, I just like to play single player," or "No, I just like to play play multiplayer." Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I, I like a mix. I like a, a balance of both worlds. Yeah, I think for me, like, I enjoy competitive games, um, but I always go back to a story-driven game. I always want to be involved in a character, the development, the story, the environments, that sort of thing. I like to walk around a world. Um, even if it's a linear story player game, I spend a lot of time sort of soaking in uh, the backstories, the laws, and you don't get that with a multiplayer game. The only thing you get yeah. is the like craving for the win or working towards the next upgrade, the next gun, or whatever you're getting. Whereas single players will be talked about for years. I think God of War this year is without a doubt a game of the year contender, and a lot of people are going to be talking about that game for for many years to come. Um, similar to sort of single player games that came out ten years ago, like. People still talk about Uncharted. People still talk about like the first Gears of War. Even though that had a multiplayer mode, it was it was mainly single player, wasn't it? Yeah, same with uh, Half Life and Half Life Two. They had their multiplayer modes, but actually, 
it was the the multiplayer that really took off with Half Life was uh, the engine being used for Team Fortress and, and yeah. things like that. Um, but the the single player modes were the, were the main show. Yeah, yeah, and there's always specific parts of games that you can remember, especially with Half Life when you start off and you're on the the monorail thing and you're going around. And I always remember that taking like two hours, and then I remember playing it sort of a couple of years back, and it was only like five minutes, and I was like, oh. That's, that's shorter than I remember, but I remembered it. It is enough time to make a cup of tea, though. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. It, yeah, it's long. You can just run and you can do it, and you just got to listen. Yeah. But no, <laughs> single player isn't dead, and I don't think it's going to die anytime soon, especially with the market share that Sony have and the investment that they have in the first party studios. They're churning out a lot of great single player games. So you've got Spider Man coming out soon. Obviously, Ghost of Tsushima. Death Stranding, even if it's ever never going to come out, it's only going to be single player. So yeah, it's not dead. Um, George's second question is: Should microtransactions be allowed in games that hold no gameplay advantage? Sorry, right? So, microtransactions so should it be? Allowed? <laughs> I think basically what George is saying is. Should microtransactions be allowed if there's no overall benefit to the game in the sense of you're not buying weapons that are going to make you beat people, blah, 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 blah. It's just monetization for the sake of it. It, it. Similar to Fortnite, you pay money, you get cosmetics, and that's it. You don't yeah, so, get better. Um, if you look at now, people are saying, do you know what? Um, buying, uh, uh, my, paying for a microtransaction... It should only be cosmetic. Mm-hmm. That's what people are, are generally saying now. If you go back to when Oblivion launched, people lost their shit because uh, microtransactions were there for uh, horse armor, which was purely cosmetic. And they were saying, well, why are we paying money for um, something that's not going to give us any benefit in the game? Well, now we're saying that's the way we want it to be. But back then we were saying that's not the way we want it to be. And And... I can kind of see both sides to some extent. Um, really, though, if you want to pay for something cosmetic in the game, fine, I don't care if you want to do that. Yeah. But what I don't want is somebody to come along and pay money and get a gun that, that you know gets instant headshots or something like that. You know, it's uh, it, We can't have uh, a, a pay-to-win scenario. That's the worst scenario that could, that could possibly happen. Oh yeah, definitely. Pay to win is probably like the worst thing in gaming ever. Um, I'm I'm on, on the same stance as you. If you want to pay your money to get a a neon camo skin for your horse or whatever, then 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 do that. Um, I think for me, it's game dependent. Um, games cost a lot to to make, especially nowadays. Um, AAA games. Millions, if not sometimes billions, obviously, depending on like Grand Theft Auto, it probably costs a lot. Like, it's like 500 million, wasn't it, when Grand Theft Auto 5 was made? But they yeah. need to sustain the business model more than just the base units that they sell. Because I can imagine, um, once a game's released, the sales for the first month probably cover most of the, the revenue that they're, they're going to generate. Um, unless it's a game like Grand Theft Auto, which is the top of the charts every week for like five years because some random person in the middle of Brazil hasn't got it yet for some unknown reason. But if they shoehorn it into single-player games, I don't understand that. They had the whole fiasco with uh, Shadow of War, um, the Shadow of Mordor game, where they had microtransactions which kind of sped up the game, and if you didn't buy into them, it took like hundreds of hours to actually complete the game. They scrapped it eventually because there was a lot of sort of uproar about it, but in those sort of games, they shouldn't be allowed. In games like Fortnite and free-to-play games, they need to make money somewhere. Um, and if you want to look cooler than the other person, then that's your prerogative. It's not really affecting anybody else, so just let it be, I guess. People need to make money at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And George's last question, um, which is quite of a cool one, actually, he says, are open world games becoming too common in RPGs? So it's a bit of a running into a wall question, essentially, because 
traditionally most RPGs tend to be open world. But I'm assuming what George is trying to get at is should there be more linear narrative driven RPG games, I guess? A bit like sort of like the the early era, the early Final Fantasy games weren't really open world, but they were very in-depth RPG-wise. But how do you feel about sort of open world games taking over? Um, and George has made it specific there to RPGs. Um, yes. it, it is clear that open worlds are bleeding into other areas as well quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we think back to something like uh, Baldur's Gate, you had an overarching map, and then on, each, on that map you went into individual areas and, and you they were unlocked as you went along. Um, that, that had a, a really good storytelling premise because uh, as you open up those chunks of the map, you, you were able to visit those parts of the map and they didn't have to reveal them until you got to that point in the story. Hmm. So, in, it, and, and Dragon Age kind of has that as well. Um, the, the, the difficulty is, if, if we think of open world as being more advanced and therefore, you know, we should just stitch all these maps together and make one enormous map out of Baldur's Gate or Dragon's Age or something like Dragon Age or something like that. The, the problem that we encounter then is you could theoretically uh, walk into a, uh, a part of the story that you shouldn't be in yet. Uh, so they, they've got to use other storytelling devices if they go to open world. Yeah. Um, but I, I do kind of get George's point there. We, we don't necessarily need all games to be open world. Using the, a better um, or, or a more direct way of, of bringing out the story and providing the locations yeah. uh, could, be, could be beneficial at times. And I think... For me, I really enjoy open world RPGs, um, especially like you, like you mentioned, Dragon Age Inquisition. It had separate areas, but the areas themselves were absolutely massive. Um, so, for RPGs like that, they need them as long as the the world feels alive. There's lots to do. It's not just travel from one destination to the other, and there's nothing in between. Um, but like you said, it doesn't just fall for those genres. With a good example for me, and the reason why I didn't like a certain game turning into an open world was the the Batman Arkham series, and a lot of people are probably going to disagree with me, is Batman Arkham Asylum was really good, in my opinion, because it wasn't open world. You were kind of like pushed down a path, and the story kind of went along, and you encountered different... Um, bosses essentially uh, or villains mm-hmm. um and when it, arkham city came out i was thinking oh yeah batman it's got to be open world and i really hated that game i absolutely hated it because it was the map wasn't massive but it was quite overwhelming in the sense of i'm now free to do what i want but i want this game to lead me down the story path i don't want to make the story for myself um and i don't know how you would feel about that situation would you prefer that sort of story-driven element and it not to be open world, or how would you feel about that? Well, it's funny that I had the same problem with the uh, the Arkham City game as well because, um, well, I had two problems with that game. One, I, I played for a while and then lost track of where I was in the story and um, the, the menus and stuff weren't great at getting you back on track with where you were supposed to be with the story. Hmm. And also, um, it... Yes, it went open world, but that open world was relatively empty. There weren't that many cars on the streets. There weren't, you know, there wasn't the um, uh, a, a lot of there, there wasn't an objective or something to do on each street corner. Effectively, it it was a fairly uh, empty environment. Um, I think it was still a, a well crafted game. They did a lot with the graphics and um, uh, uh, and the story when you stuck with it yeah. was pretty good overall. But um, but yeah, same problem with the game. It didn't need an open world, and it they I think they put it in there because um, how long ago did it come out now? Five years, six years. Something it's been like a while, that. isn't it? Because uh, obviously, yeah. Arkham Knight came out two years ago on current gen consoles, so it's been a good five to six, yeah. Yeah, and it it was um, 
I think that was the buzzword at the time, and and they felt they needed to go open world with it. So uh, yeah, I think what we're saying is that you don't really need to go open world in all uh, scenarios. It, it's whether it fits best for your game. Yeah, and if you are going to go down the route of it being open world, just make sure it's an open world that you want to spend a lot of time in, because especially with the RPG genre, those sort of games, especially games like Witcher 3, Skyrim, Fallout, you're going to spend minimum 60 to 70 hours just to complete the story. And then Skyrim is, Skyrim never ends. Like Skyrim never ends. You can spend thousands of hours in that game and you'll probably find something new. And that is sort of the blessing in disguise with that game is even though the world itself is isn't full it is quite empty there's always little sort of things that they the developers have planted in in random corners or in caves or in the top of a castle that you'll find and you're like oh i haven't seen that before and that's kind of what makes those games yeah when you end up coming across some random reference like <laughs> i don't know some reference to scooby-doo in the middle of uh, skyrim you're suddenly yeah. like well, has anybody else noticed this and then you look online and, yeah everybody else has noticed it but um yeah, it's great when you find it on your own. So, so the the answer to the the single answer to George's question is: Is it becoming too common? Yeah, maybe. But if it's done right, don't fix what isn't broke. So, cool. Sorry, yeah. right. <laughs> I covered all the pause there. I will. Uh, I'll cut that one out. So yeah, so that's all the yeah. questions from this week. Uh, by all means, guys, if you do want to send any more questions into us, uh, just log into our Facebook page. Uh, or you can comment on the videos. Our videos are currently uploading to very uh, loads of different platforms. So whatever you're hearing us on, just send us an email, send us a link, send us a comment. But don't forget to like, subscribe, all the things that the cool kids do nowadays. Uh, but that's all for this week. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, we have been Middle Age Gamers, so it's farewell from me. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs>